gets the recognition of this reality. We as followers of Christ, we are brought together to be one body, and, and the beauty of that is, is actually what the body is capable of. Uh, you know, one of the, uh, you know, kind of well-known sort of newer dances, I don't know if it's officially breakdancing or not, but if you were at our all-in service a couple weeks ago, you know, we did this with some of the kids. The floss, who's familiar with the floss? Who knows the floss, you know? And um, who's, who's seen the, I'm not going to make you do it. Like, who's heard of it or seen it? Just quickly. Okay, yeah, yeah, a lot more people than we're of. Everybody's like, is he going to make me do it? No, no. The floss is like this. I don't know about if you've never tried it, you know, go home, you know, let YouTube it and have a look at it. But it, it's a really challenging dance because, uh, like, for me, so you have to, like, what you do is, is it's sort of like you're, you're, you're flossing. And you, your arms have to go one way and your hips have to go the other. Now, I've tried uh, for great amounts of time to learn it with my son who's fine with it and can do it at high speeds and low speeds, whatever speeds. Uh, but whenever I do it, like, you're supposed to, like, your, your arms go one way and the hips, like, go the other and these weird, and, like, my, my arms and hips want to go together. So I'm like, cool, let's go like this. Let's go like this and, and that. And that's, no, that's not the flaw. So, but the problem is, uh, sometimes do these things, it's actually really hard because it's kind of counterintuitive. Like, it's not how my, my body inherently wants to work. And so it's challenging to do that. And as we think about what it looks like body moving, we think about, you know, you picture like dance and what the human body is capable of. And it's capable of beautiful, amazing, amazing things. But some of the realities of what it looks like to be the body and to learn to move the way that God wants the body to move, it actually requires some things that are very counterintuitive. And so they're not always easy. And today we're going to try and look as we keep exploring, what does it mean to be the body? What does it mean to move together as the body? Just realize a lot of this, it's not how we normally want to operate. And so it will take a little extra effort uh, as we try to wrap our minds around it and what it looks like. Let's have a look. We're diving in on Ephesians chapter 4. We're going back a few verses from where we were last week and these great pictures of what it means to be the body of Christ. Paul is writing and he says, as a prisoner for the Lord then... You know, have you ever had, like, uh, I love how Paul, he starts this letter. It's like just, he's, he's literally, when he says prisoner for the Lord, he's using it in two senses. One is, he talks always about being like, I'm a servant to the Lord. This is how he viewed his relationship with God. I'm his servant. I'm a prisoner. Whatever he wants, I do it. But he's also literally writing from jail. And he starts this letter with sort of like, I'm gonna, let me just kind of lay my, this, a bit of smack down right off the top here and go, hey, as a prisoner for the Lord. It's like, if you want to come against him, it's not, I don't want to say it's like a mom guilt trip and you kind of going like, hey, you know, um, as your mother who gave birth to you, you know, do you think you could listen what I have to say as someone who is in, I've never had nor will I ever the opportunity to do that, but I can imagine it would be a great card to play. Anyway, he says, as a prisoner for the Lord, as a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you. Let me hear you say urge. urge. Yeah, it's a word that kind of got to come from the gut. And it's that kind of sense here. I urge you. This is, I'm, I'm going to try and, I'm telling you, this won't be easy. But I want to urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. He's going, look, if you are someone who's here and you're a follower of Christ, you've been called to a new life. And based on who Jesus is and on what he's done for you, Paul says, there's a life. It's not about trying to earn God's favor or love in your life, but there is a life that is worthy of what he's done for you. There's a certain kind of life that is kind of congruent to go, wow, if this is who he is, here's what a life that follows him probably should look like. He says, I want you, I urge you, come on, make sure you live worthy of the calling you've received. And he says, and here's what that's going to start to look like. He says, I want you to be completely humble and gentle. I want you to be patient, bearing with one another in love. And he says this, make every effort. Let me hear you say, make every effort, make every effort. 
make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. What I love about these words that you see here, I urge you to live like this. I want you to be these things. Be humble, be gentle, bear with one another in love. Make every effort. Is All this is going to shape our big idea for this morning and what I, I believe, you know, what this, how this plays out for us and what it looks like for us to be the body of Christ. Is that for us to be the body of Christ always requires, this is, you know, of all the movements, we've got this is one huge one. We have to move from consuming to contending. Let me hear you say consuming. consuming. You're all like, we know that's a bad word. We don't want to say, I don't know, I heard I've read stuff was bad. So from consuming to contending. Let me hear you say contending. contending. Let me hear you say contending. contending. You know, you know, you think contending. I mean, I, I just, you know, I just think of like, you know, Rocky's, I could have been a contender. You know, like, I, or so, I don't know, is that, is that a Rocky line? Could have been a contender? There's somebody. Somebody says it. The show he did? Stallone? Okay. All right. It could have been a contender, a show. Is there a Rocky TV show? <laughs> That's awesome. It's not enough that there were nine Rocky movies. There's a reality show. So, uh, anyway, whenever I think of contender, you just think of that idea. We think of fighters. We think of, you know, to be a contender is like you're fighting for something. I'm contending for it. Contending is not easy. We consume things we like. We contend for things that are hard. And for us to be the body of Christ, what I love in these verses is you realize that to be the body of Christ is not to be a consumer of things you want and like and enjoy to be part of the body of Christ is to contend for something. I love how Eugene Peterson pulls out in the message these first few verses. He says it like this. He says, in light of all of this, in light of who the church is in Christ, he's been painting this incredible picture of the, the beauty of what God has done in the church. And he says, here's what I want you to do. He says, well, I'm locked up here, a prisoner for the master. Like Eugene wants to make, you know, he kind of double, you know. While I'm stuck in jail, I want you to get out there and walk, better yet run on the road God called you to travel. And he says, I don't want this. I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. And Mark, you do this with humility and discipline. Discipline. Let me say discipline. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. He says, look, I don't want any of you. You know what? The, the essence of kind of a consuming mentality, you know, it, I think is that kind of you picture it, the, the sitting on our hands. Now, if you came in. It's a cold, rainy day. If you sat on your hands, it's okay. I'm, you know, you're like, my hands were cold. Sorry. You know, like, his point is he doesn't want us to have this mentality where it's sort of like that what it means to be in the body of Christ is to kind of sit back and just kind of be doing nothing. And Paul's like, hey, I'm in jail here. If you can be a part of the body of Christ, make sure you are contending. I urge you, live a life worthy of the calling you've received. He says, no, I don't want you sitting on your hands, and I don't want you strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. You know, the first thing he wants us to fight for, to contend for, is what we're going to call the fight for unity. Can I tell you something, what it looks like to be the body moving? It starts with a fight for unity. You know, we, unity does not come easy. Actually, you know what comes natural? If we just took off the, the, the unity and we just said fight, we'd be like, yeah, that sounds like the body of Christ. <laughs> you know, body of Christ. Yeah, fight, right? We're good at that. Like, kind of, we can get in conflict over anything, you know? I literally knew a guy who got basically fired from his church because he moved a, a pulpit on the stage. You know, <laughs> like, it's easy to start a fight in the body of Christ. Like, we're stereotypically known 
even across, whether it's how we relate within the body of Christ, one church to another, one belief to another, one denomination, and how we do within the church. And man, and I, you know, and, and I can't believe they said this or did that or they see it this way. It's so easy to fight, right? Fighting is easy. But a fight for unity is to go right. The real fight is not with others and it's not with meant to be outside. It's the fight to do what Paul says here, to keep the unity of the Spirit. He paints this picture that we, as the body of Christ, we have been unified. And it comes from God. It's declared by him. He goes on to kind of say, you know, there's one God, there's one Lord, one Father, one baptism, one Spirit. It's all one. And he's like, and out of that oneness of who God is and what he's done, you all are one. We can't make that and we can't break that in lots of ways. But what this verse says is, but it is up to us to fight to keep that. And when he says, I want you to keep the unity of the Spirit, what he's saying is, I want you to make it a lived reality. Because as Eugene Peterson said, what is more likely to happen, what is more natural, what our bodies want to do naturally is wander off on their own direction. What our bodies want to do is kind of, oh, I got into a bit of a conflict or argument or didn't really see eye to eye. Forget it. I'll go over here. I'll take my bad self elsewhere, you know. We, this is, so, what Paul says is this, he says these really strong words. I want you to make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. It will be hard work. You will have to contend. If your mindset is, I'm going to sit on my hands and see what I get here, and this is good, and I hope, I hope, I, I hope, you know, I hope Dean speaks something good and something I like today. I hope it's not one that, you know, is too long or when he talks about basketball, like I really hope he doesn't do that. You know, the point is, he goes, no, no, no. you got to fight for unity. There will be a, a, a hundred currents and a gravitational pull towards do your own thing, don't gather, there'll be a gravitational pull towards, you know what, I dislike you, I will avoid you. But he says, no, you, here's what unity looks like. In some ways, he says, you've got to bear with one another. Do you know something? We can't even begin to live out the truth of this until we find somebody who gets on our nerves, you know. Turn to the person next to you and be like, hey, you get on my nerves a little bit. But I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful you get on my nerves. Because some of you have been waiting all day, and you were like, well, I, I you know, I, they told me to say it, so I, I don't really think they know you. Know. <laughs> you know what? If you, if you have unity with anyone, like if you spend time with anyone, it will only be a matter of time till they get on your nerves. The problem is we live in a world that starts to think that that getting on our nerves means it's a signal to break unity with that person. He says, no, you got to make every effort. And that means at times you've got to bear with one another. You can only bear with someone. You can only start to live this out if someone gets on your nerves. You can only start to experience the, the truth of this. We can only start to be the body of Christ when we make an effort that takes us beyond just, hey, I gather with some people I like, to no, 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 I make every effort to gather with people I disagree with. I make every effort to gather with some people who get on my nerves. It's just that guy with the microphone. Why do they even give it to him? <laughs> that guy every week I'm bearing with, you know? Like, the beauty of it is, is actually that's when we can have... Uh, 
a, a deeper fellowship. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a guy, he's German, wrote in the 1930s, Nazi era of World War II, wrote some, some of the most powerful Christian writing there is. He writes in his incredible book, Life Together, about what Christian communities to be like. And he says, someone cannot even become your brother and sister in Christ. I'm going to translate because he writes in German. And I know most of you don't read Bonhoeffer in German like I do. And um, I'm just joking. My last name's German. I don't even say that right. I can't read German. So... Um, but he says, someone can't even become your brother or sister in Christ until, he says, they become a burden to you. In other words, what he's saying, until they kind of grate on you, until they, you almost dislike. They can't become your brother and sister because until that point, they're just another thing in your life that can bring you joy. So the people that you enjoy, you don't yet even have opportunity to love them. Because really, you're just, again, it's like they're bringing something into your life. We can all enjoy being around the people we like. To begin to experience the kind of unity of the spirit that you've, you've got to fight for it. And that means being patient and enduring with one another. You know, one of the best things you can do is to find the people in the body of Christ that you are around or who maybe offended you or, or you just totally dislike the way they think. Or maybe they posted something on Facebook. You know, I can't believe anyone. You said you were a Christian and you put that up or whatever. And anybody who's ever offended you, one of the best things you can do is start to, is to go, okay, how do I pray for that person? And not pray for, like, I hope they see the error of their ways. You know? <laughs> I hope they see how I got that right. <laughs> Lord, help them open their eyes. No. Pray God's blessing and favor on their life. Pray God would, you know, do abundantly more than whatever he's doing in your life. He'd do way more than that in their life. Love them. You know, true forgiveness. If you ever try and figure out, am I forgiving somebody? How well can you pray for them? And again, not prayers of what you want them. Prayers of what God can do in their life. Prayers for more. So we got to fight for unity. We actually have to fight for it. Most of our world and our currents and ourselves, gravity will always pull us away. We've got to contend for it. The second thing we got to, that he kind of pulls out part of this contending is actually, so we've got to gather, we've got to tolerate each other, we've got to bear with each other. But he also says this, that we've got to, part of that fight, he goes on, we're going to pick it up in verse 7. It says that to each one of us, Grace has been given. So unity doesn't mean everybody's going to be the same, do the same thing, think the same way. The only things that we tend to, the thing we try to keep at the focus here at True North is just we all agree on Christ, on the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, on everything he's done. But beyond that, there's so much in terms of people's views and how they see different things. The goal is not we all think the same about everything. There's a, each one of us. We're all different. We've been given different gifts and capacities. And Christ apportioned that. So Christ himself, he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, for this reason, to equip his people for works of service. Let me hear you say works of service. This, you know, we got to contend. We got to work to serve one another so that the body of Christ may be built up. This is the goal, that we will serve one another. We do works of service. That we fight for unity and we fight to actually serve one another until we all reach unity in faith. That's what keeps helping us move towards unity. And it moves us towards, you know, unity and the knowledge of the Son of God and knowing him. That's when we become mature. That's when the body's strong. That's when we learn to floss, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, experiencing it all. You know, this is what happens. And so the thing that we, we have to realize is that, you know what it looks like to really fight, to contend? It is to bring the best of who you are for the sake of others in the body of Christ. And there's this great picture that Christ, he's given different gifts, different graces, different things. But all of it, not so that, you know, that, that you sort of can be like, hey, great, look at me again. Here's my gifting and here's what I'm great and passionate about. No, no, no. The whole 
deal here is God's just put people to equip the whole body to serve one another so that our focus is never on ourselves but on others. And that's how the body is going to grow strong. We live in a world that wants all the focus on ourselves. And we exist to kind of like, wow, you know, here's me. Let me just, let me be me. I'm going to do me. I'm going to be me. And this is like, no, it's all about how do you bring the best of you? Yeah, but in the service of others. It's not for you. It's not about you. It's this fight for unity. It's, it's about how do you bring the best of you for others. I love Martin Luther King Jr.'s famous quote. The pressing question of life is always, what are you doing for others? What are you doing for others? Here's what's incredible is that when we, you know, so consumers and, and how much we need this because we live in a world that always is thinking, you know, what am I getting? What am I getting? What am I getting? But, man, can I tell you something? We were made for what am I giving? What am I giving? What am I giving? The most pressing question, we all know it when we hear it, we love it. The most pressing question, what am I doing for others? The most pressing question in the body of Christ should be, what am I doing for others? How am I being employed in the service of others within the body of Christ? Because the, the just counterintuitive reality to all this, this is why it's backwards. It's not how we're used to moving. We usually think I've got to find the things I like and enjoy. I want those. I will feel happy if I have those. That's what consumer mentality does. But a contending mentality is what we were actually created for. What is worthy of me giving my life to? What is worthy of me spending the best of who I am? And these verses would say, we are called to do this in the body of Christ. Because the body of Christ, this is Jesus' plan for the world. Jesus didn't come to try and do a couple tweaks and clicks to the world to make it a slightly better place. He came to establish, he said, his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It will be the body of Christ. The means by which he is present in this world. And when we fight, when we contend by making every effort to live in unity with one another, making every effort to continue gathering, making every effort to continue serving, making every effort to, to be, you know, forgiving and gracious and patient and, and bear with one. When we do those things, it says the body grows to maturity. And I love this, this picture in Ephesians chapter 2 that Eugene Peterson pulls out this picture of what the church is. And he talks about it as Christ's body. He says, you just got to understand this about the church. It's not peripheral to the world. Sometimes we think like the world's where, you know, the world is, is like all happening and the church is this little thing on the side. And, you know, maybe we kind of have to do it or we're supposed to. Or, no, no, no. He says the world is peripheral to the church. The space in which God is active is in building his church, the body of Christ in this world. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts and by which he fills everything with his presence. What could be more worthy of fighting for, contending for? It's not easy. It's not always natural. But when we do it, this is how we see the body, it says, grow to maturity, to fullness. And we come to the fullness of the knowledge of Christ. In some mysterious way, we get to know Christ in a way that is otherwise, it doesn't seem possible when you read these verses. This is where it happens. Can I just tell you something? I think one of the great challenges for us is in our era, if we're going to see the body be what it is called and meant to be, it is that shift from consumers to contenders. We have to make a dramatic shift from consuming to contending. 
it's not, you know, and, and we don't just suddenly make that shift when it's like, okay, you know what, I serve on this team or that. It's not about do you serve on a team or not serve. It is a whole mentality and mindset and heart set. That is, I don't just, I don't just, I mean, hey, everybody here made it here today on a cold, rainy day. Like, turn to the person, just give, you some, give them a high five. Great, well done. You know what, say, say it was when, no, give them a high five. Come on. Give some encouragement. You told them they got on your nerves, and now you won't take a second to encourage them? I guess if we, maybe a little friction got started earlier. But, you know, but I want you to know this. It's about way more than just do we continue to gather. That alone is hard. Make no mistake about it. And so I, I get it with all the things that compete for attention and the challenges of life, etc. Okay, it can be hard to even gather like this. But this is about way more than just did we gather or not gather. It's did we come as a contender. You know, one of the guys that uh, I, this phrase from consuming to contending, I, I heard it recently. I was at a, a gathering of a, a bunch of kind of Christian leaders from around the world um, in different spaces. And, uh, and one of the, the guys at it, um, and I can't remember who said it, this phrase, from consuming to contending. So I can't attribute that quote. It's not mine or, or come from it. But when I heard it, it hit me like a lightning bolt. And I just thought, this is, and they were talking about renewal. And, and all these people, they're from different countries all around the world, different denominations. But everyone was kind of talking through what is really seeing renewal in the church going to look like. And without doubt, one of the primary shifts that has got to happen is the shift from consuming to contending. One of the guys said, here's how they were playing it out in, in their church, was he asked people, would you come a half an hour before the service? And he's got these, all these people who come a half an hour before, and they are just literally, not figurative, they're literally on their knees praying for the gatherings of that day. That's contending. You think about posture. How often is our posture sitting on my hands, or lean back. You literally can't contend when from here. Like this, it's hard to contend. If Phil and I were going to have a fight right now, <laughs> and here's my posture, and he's coming at me like this, you know, how's that going to go for me? It's okay, you can say, Phil will beat you no matter how you stood. I don't, this, I've seen his guns, I, so I'm nice to him from up here, you know, but... But come on, if we're going to be contenders, do we really think we can contend for anything? Laid back with my mind on my money? My, you know, no. <laughs> That's the problem sometimes. Our minds are on other things, and we just laid back. But this speaks of contending. Yeah, how do we sing? How do we show up? Hey, we serve. You're on a welcome team. Do you show up just to kind of, yep, yeah, I'm here and I said a couple nice little, no, I'm contending for something today. I'm making it my mission to find someone who I'm going to make sure they know they are welcome here. You know, how do we, how do we sing? Oh, it's good. I hope they do one of my favorite songs this week. Or no, no, no. I put my preferences to the side. I bear with whatever songs have been chosen. And I contend for the words of that song. If it speaks about Christ and his presence, I don't just say it, I'm contending for it. That's the shift. And if we're going to see God do great things, we got to become contenders. That's got to be the, the posture. That's got to be how our bodies move. We come to contend. And we fight to gather. We fight against the culture. And we, we, contend, we, we, we make sure we show up in one another's lives. Contenders. You know, I want to just read you this final story uh, just to give you one snapshot of this. I came across this story. It was a story of a, 
a revival where God was doing something really powerful, and it was in Scotland in the 1800s, and I, I just read this guy. He's writing a story about it, and he was describing what it was like when God just moved in a powerful way. And, and it was in Scotland, and it's in the winter in Scotland, and so I thought because we have such harsh winters here, maybe we could learn something from. What do you reckon? Because we know a lot about harsh winters, right? He said, I once read about a revival took place among some of Scotland's rural churches in the 1800s. Also, 1800s, as I understand, some of the modern conveniences were not available. Wi-Fi was quite slow. <laughs> Things like that, I'm guessing. It says, many of the believers who belonged to these churches lived in the middle of nowhere. And they would travel long distances for gathered worship. Bear in mind, this is before the emergence of automotive technology. What's more, the revival came during winter months, which made the commute treacherous due to weather conditions. They're not driving, they're walking, they're hiking. Especially since the mountainous terrain was not ideal for travel. Needless to say, and just listen to this. You know, meaningful participation in the life of the local church wasn't easy for these believers. Nevertheless, they were faithful, and God visited them in a powerful way. You know, isn't this what we want? We want God to visit us in a powerful way. We're not interested in going through the motions, but we've got to contend for that if that's what we're after. And he says this words, and this is now quoting one of, the, one of the ministers from that time who was a part of this particular revival, and he said this. Now picture this just for a moment. You know, kind of close your eyes and imagine Scotland, mountainous valleys, winter, snow. And these people are getting together at nighttime in the dark. And he says this, it was often a stirring sight to witness the multitudes assembling during the dark winter evenings. To trace their progress as they came in all directions across moors and mountains by the blazing torches. Imagine the darkness and these people holding up these blazing torches. Where are they going? Because there's a great concert in town or no no they're going because they want to gather to meet to worship God to seek him to contend and so they're moving with these blazing torches which they carried to light their way to the places of meeting the word of the Lord was precious in those days and personal inconvenience was little thought of when the hungering soul sought to be satisfied as we look to the example of these believers let's make one crucial observation he writes, those who are hungry for Christ, consider it their joy to be inconvenienced for the sake of his church. You know, how easy is it in our day, in our era, to find being a part of his church uh, something that is about how convenient it will be for us? Or to find it burdensome when we are inconvenienced. And yet this picture, what does it mean to find it joy? Because we're contending for the body of Christ. You know, I know there are all different ways this plays out. There are different ways we have to wrestle with and interact with to go, how do we really live this out? But can I tell you this? I don't, I don't know what all the answers are. I have some ideas, and I think we've got to keep trying and figuring out how does this look in our day because we do live in a different era, and we don't live in, in, in an era. like we, we live in this era, and we have to figure out what it looks like now, not in 1800. But what we cannot ever lose sight of is that it, what it, if we want to see God move, we've got to be we cannot be consumers, and we must be contenders. And we must see 
being inconvenienced for the sake of Christ's body as a joy. And we must make every effort to preserve and keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And we must make every effort to bear with one another when we disagree with one another. And we must make every effort to serve one another and love one. And we've just got to be, we got to be contending for the body of Christ. You know, I'm going to invite the team to come up and we're going to sing together in a moment. I will invite you to stand where you are. And I want to just invite you to take... Um, going to sing together in, in a couple of moments, uh, maybe about two minutes from now. We're going to sing this song of Great Are You, Lord, and it speaks of the greatness of who God is. Hey, we are, we are gathering this space. If you're brand new to, to church or to True North, you know, we, we believe that God is the greatest. He's the maker of all, and he loves each one of us, and he loves you, and no matter where you come from, this is just the good news. You can know him and know that the greatest of all lives will be found in him. And he has given us the body of Christ because he knows what is, what is best for us. And even though sometimes we got to bear with or, or contend with us, we will find the life we were meant for when we find it in Christ. And, I wanna, and so we're going to sing and we're going to celebrate and we're going to praise him. I want to encourage you, please don't just sing. Contend. And, and contending sometimes means, yeah, I'm going to put aside like the embarrassment I might feel about how it sounds when I sing, or I'm going to put aside the fact that I don't really like this song, or I find it, I'm just going to contend. I'm just going to, I'm going to contend for it. I'm going to fight for it. Because that's what we're here to do. But before we do that, I want to encourage you to just take the next two minutes, and we're just going to have some quiet here. And I, honestly, I think this is one of the, like I said, we don't live in 1800, and so we don't have to go, how do we go back to that time? But we have to make a concerted effort to say, what does contending look like in our day? And I probably can't answer that for you, but I want to encourage you to ask that question of God. I want to encourage you to take two minutes and just say, Lord, be willing to just say, okay, on the scale of from consuming to contending, Lord, where am I? And where do you want to take me? What's another step look like? Is body moving? It's not, you don't got it all figured out at once. But what's a step going to look like? Would you be willing to kind of boldly say to him, what, what would this shift, you know, another step towards contending? What would contending look like? Is there anything I need to, you know, thoughts or ideas that I need to kind of turn back from and go, no, Lord, I want to contend? Is it about saying, God, I need to see the church the way you see it because I see it as a burden and you tell me it's the bride and do I need, how can I see it that way, Lord, so that I can contend for the bride? What are you calling me to? What are you asking me to do? What, what would one more step towards contention look like? Take two minutes of quiet and you just create the space to speak about that with him. And then we're going to sing. And then we're going to contend. We're going to lift him up together. Let's take two minutes in that quiet.